Good morning, everybody. Very good, big welcome to everybody here this morning um, and everybody who may be joining us on our live stream. Um, so I was thinking about uh, what God had put on um, my heart uh, this morning. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had our baptism service. Um, and I don't know how many of you were there. If you weren't, it was absolutely incredible. And it's hard to walk away from any sort of baptism service without being really inspired. And, and, and particularly the one that we had to, to see the young people stand up um, from our church and just talk about what God's doing in their lives um, and the impact that he has had was, was truly what I would say just awe-inspiring. And, and whenever I'm sat there in a, in a baptism, I'm, I'm, I'm sure other people do the same, you, you reflect on what God's done on your lives and, and, and maybe if you've been baptized, you think back to, to your own baptism and the words that you've, you kind of spoke then and, and the impact it's had on your life since then. And, and, and that Sunday, it was no different. And I was really reflecting on what God has just, the power that he's had on me. Now, a few weeks ago, I read from, from Matthew, I was, I was doing a sermon on, on fellowship, and um, I read a passage that's known as the Great Commandment, when Jesus is asked, which, which of the commandments is, is the greatest? And his reply in Matthew 22, which should flash up, is, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then it goes on to say, this is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this morning, I just wanted to probably reflect on that first part, the loving the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your mind. And I want to touch on the fact that this is built on a truth, that this isn't a commandment to love a distant God that's saying, okay, you need to show me all your love, but it's a reciprocated love. And it's something that I've really been reflecting on recently that's had, had an impact on me, and that it's that God loves us. And this commandment is about returning that love and being in a relationship with the Lord. And then what the truth of that can actually reveal to us, that we are God's beloved, that that love is unbound, and then maybe what impact that has on our lives. But before that, why don't we pray? Lord, we, we meet with you this morning and we offer up our praise to you and we welcome your Holy Spirit here. And we say, come Holy Spirit, because we want more of you. We're your beloved and you love, your love for us just overflows and I pray that everyone of us feels surrounded and engulfed by a sense of that love this morning. Amen. So as I said, the, the, the baptism service really got me reflecting uh, on my relationship with God. And when we talk about a relationship with God, maybe a good place to start is actually God himself. That's, that sounds pretty uh, intuitive to me and, and who God is and, and, and his nature. And it's not a simple question. It's probably not one that I can in its entirety tackle today or, or anyone really could. But when I was writing this, uh, a, a, a worship song uh, kind of came to me, and it really spoke to me, uh, and the words had, had a, big, a big influence on me, and I thought, do you know what, um, maybe I'll read out those, uh, those lyrics, and I thought, no, do you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll lose the power of that worship song. So if you could 
be patient with me this morning. I'm just going to play a small clip of it. So, so remain seated, maybe close your eyes and just let the words of this worship song kind of flow over you and just think about how you feel when you're hearing. And hopefully, like me, maybe you'll be moved. But if our great AV team would, wouldn't mind just playing part of that worship song. Our God is a great big God. worship song. So obviously this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, albeit that if you've grown up in, in Vineyard Kids, that song's probably going to have a special place in your heart. And, and the reason why I wanted to play this this morning is that for some reason we spend all of our time, or certainly a good portion of our time in, in, in kids groups, talking about the size and how big God is. And sometimes we can be a little bit guilty of maybe thinking that we've graduated out of that. There comes a time where you kind of feel like maybe you have the, the ignorance to think that you've grasped that. That actually, okay, I needed to, to, to hear about how big God was when I was smaller, that he was bigger than a skyscraper or deeper than a submarine. But I'm an adult now and I can, I can grasp the, the size of God. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but maybe one of them is because actually we shrink God down into, into something that we can then cope with and understand. And actually, instead of God being the God of everything and the God of all parts of my life, maybe we compartmentalize God and he becomes the God of a Sunday service between the hours of 10.30 and 12 on a Sunday. Or, or maybe we can extend that to, to the God of small groups so we can think about him and, and the power during, during the week. Maybe we can think about God as the God of car parking spaces or like me, the God of the big game when, when I really need a result or God in a crisis. And God becomes something that isn't present, ever present, all-knowing and all-powerful, but something that fits into a nice little box that I can call on as and when I need it. So back to Matthew. And Jesus is asked at this point, what's, what's the greatest commandment? And what he's effectively being asked is, um, sorry, what's the greatest law? What's the greatest commandment? What he's basically being asked is, of all the laws in the Old Testament, over 600 of them, which is the most important? And Jesus, knowing his scripture extremely well, perfectly pretty much, responds, as you can imagine, with word perfect from Deuteronomy 6. And he says, and this is, this is from Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Now, throughout the Old Testament, there are a number of different um, names that are used for God. And there's too many to really touch on this morning. But when I was reading this in my ESV version, one thing that really struck me was the fact that in my Bible, Lord here is in capitals. And when you read it, what this represents is actually this was the, the name of God that was used as the, the personal name used by God, um, for God by the Jews. And it's introduced and used in, in Exodus 3 when, when God speaks to Moses through the burning bush. And the, the name was traditionally considered so sacred that it wasn't actually ever written or spoken and pronounced by the Jews. Instead, they would write four letters, Y-H-W-H, 
to represent the name and to remind the reader when they were reading scripture that, that they wouldn't actually say the name of the Lord. And then that has since, for various reasons, likely because of the words that were, the letters that were used, has become part of the word that we now refer to as Yahweh. And then actually the part of the Bible in Exodus, when we hear God speak to Moses himself, when he introduces this, this amazing passage where he said, who, who shall I say sent me? And he says, I'm the God of your forefathers, but he says, I am or I will be. And such a name itself comes with might and power. It's effectively saying, I'm not going to be constrained by a name. I forever was and I forever will be. And what would have been really known and understood by, by, by individuals that knew their Torah, which is effectively the, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is this, this sense of just power and grandeur. The full understanding of the name of the Lord being used here is one that they, they wouldn't even write and they wouldn't say. And then that coming from Exodus and just something that is viewed as so powerful and sacred. And it just really reminded me of the disciplines that they, that they lived by and these different names for God that, that made them able to comprehend and better comprehend just the sheer power and might of the Lord. So the first point I wanted to make this morning, as the worship song pretty much says, is God is big. God is big. Now I wonder if, if many of you sat there thinking, that's hardly groundbreaking, Sam. God is big. The creator of the universe is pretty big, don't you know? It's hardly a tagline that maybe is going to get people coming in to listen. But I know that personally it's something that maybe I neglect. It's something that maybe I don't even really wrestle with. I feel like maybe I've graduated from Vineyard Kids and actually the sheer power of the Lord was something I've, I've stopped needing to reflect on. And what does that look like? Well, maybe at times it, that it involves being able to easily compartmentalize God and failing to feel the awe and amazement of the Lord, and maybe even undervaluing things like worship, forgetting that God is always there, his Holy Spirit is always in me, he's there in my work, he's there in my fears, he's there in my anxieties. And just a real sense of reminding myself of just the sheer power of what we're talking about here. But for many, maybe that isn't the challenge. Maybe actually it's, it's the other way around. Maybe actually that's something that you've, you've reflected on a lot and that presents its own challenges. And the opposite can come true. How, how do I, me, imperfect and seemingly insignificant me, just a speck on the history scale of what we're talking about here, even feature on the radar of this Lord that we're talking about? And instead, maybe the, the, the struggle comes more from the second point this morning, and that's to really appreciate and understand the fact that God loves us and that we are his most cherished of creations. Sarah and I were lucky enough to, uh, to see the Northern Lights. I know that it was something that um, there was a solar flare or, or, or high solar activity and a lot of people were seeing it in the UK and I wonder if many people saw it. And when you see it, it's, I find it just impossible to just not be amazed by just the sheer beauty of the Lord's creation. And I stood there, we were on a ship, I stood there and was just like, wow, 
And then you think to yourself, Sarah and I were, were reflecting when, when, when I was writing this, that there are parts of the cosmos that human eyes will never even see with beauties that probably dwarf the northern lights to again think about that power of the Lord. And yet in all of that, we are the Lord's most cherished of possessions and he wants to know us. And <laughs> I was struggling with that as I wrote this. It was just like, every now and then you just go, kind of sit down and just go, mind's blowing a little bit. And it really puts it into perspective. So while some of us may grasp with the awe and power of God, others may struggle with that personal, loving relationship aspect of the Lord. What Paul spoke about during that amazing Baptist service, that we are called to have a personal relationship with God, that through Christ we can have a personal relationship with God. And maybe in practice it's struggling with a bit of both and it's something that we will always continue to wrestle with. As I was preparing, I, I, I read, um, I was reading a passage from Acts. It's something that I've read a number of times. But you know when something just jumps out and just speaks to you in a different way and you just, I was just awestruck by its beauty. It's in Acts 17 verses 26 to 28 and Paul's talking here. He says that everyone should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. I just love how beautiful this is. We are called to seek God, to feel our way towards him and find him. And the important thing to remember is that he isn't far away. He's waiting there to have that relationship with us. It says, you're actually not far from each one of us. And it's in passages like this and then talking about just the power of the Lord that we see that kind of juxtaposed position. The size and power of God and the beauty and accessibility of the gospel and what's promised to us. That all of us are called to know and love Yahweh, to love our Lord and Saviour and vitally that he knows and loves us. He is waiting for us to say, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you more. And we can know the Lord, and that privilege is available to every one of us. So what does that look like? Well, again, or inspired by the youth and that baptism service a few weeks ago, one thing that really came through and I was reflecting on is that to know God and enter into that relationship is, is one of change and transformation. It's to be changed and transformed. How is it possible to not be? We live in a society that seems to promote us being us for the sake of ourselves and not letting other people change us. It's, it's, it's viewed as a negative, isn't it? In fact, there's an insult. Oh, you used to be, used to be fun and then you changed. Change seems to be something that's considered untrustworthy and something to be hesitant around but relationships are designed to enrich our lives and the lives of those who we're in relationship with when I reflect on the relationships that I have at their very best it makes me a better person 
and that I am a, just have developed because of them. But obviously, there are constraints because people are people and people will do, as the phrase goes, people things. But with God, we have the opportunity and the experience, to, sorry, we have the opportunity to experience the very best of all relationships. To experience God in his perfectness and his consistence and unchanging. And through his love and the grace of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed into more of that likeness. Into more of the person that we were made to be, into more of the person that Jesus was. And all of us are invited into that. So as I was reflecting on this, I thought, well, why is this change a good thing? And I thought to myself, this change is moving towards the person that God intended us to be. We talk about often in the world about being your true self. Got to make sure that you're your true self. And actually, a lot of the time that comes with a don't sacrifice that for anybody else. But God created us. He created our true selves, knowingly and intentionally. And we can't separate that from God. And we can't separate God from our true selves. To be our true selves is to be close to God and in a relationship with him. And tragically, it's what so many people fail to realize. So I've put here a question. I said, who then did God intend us to be? And again, not shying away from the big questions this morning. Maybe we can reflect on calling. And it's a big question, isn't it? And it's something that I imagine that every person has wrestled with, Christian and non-Christian, like, who am I? What am I here for? What was I intended to be? And Pete actually sent me something that I've been, that just blew my mind. Do you know when someone sends you something and it just completely kind of changed you? He sent me a sermon, it was 17 minutes long, and I just afterwards thought, how can a sermon be only 17 minutes long? But in this, it spoke about who we were called to be. And it was just awe-inspiring in its simplicity. And what it said is that we are called to be God's beloved and a cherished child of God. And it said that actually in its truth, we are all God's beloved. We are all cherished children of God. And that's who God intended us to be. And that's who he created us to be. And this truth has the power to set us free. It's in this truth that we can be transformed. And actually this morning, whatever it is that can prevent us from acknowledging and accepting that truth, God has the power to break those chains and to set us free. And I love when I come to church on a Sunday and I've got a sermon in front of me and I've been praying and I think, God, I really hope this is what you were intending me to say. And he just drops a few things to make me go, oh yeah, 
And in the prayer group this morning, we were talking about transformation and we were talking about that truth that can change us and sadly that truth that is missed by so many people in the world. And that is God loves us and we are his beloved and he created us to be his children. And then again, we were hearing about Sozo this morning, that that has the power to set us free and to heal us. And actually this morning, I was really reflecting on the transformation that can have on us personally and to reflect on. But it's so much broader than that. Because we also need to acknowledge the fact that everybody is God's beloved and that's how we should see each other. And that has the power to not just transform us, but transform Sutton and transform the UK, and dare I say it, transform the church as well. That it's a truth that we are promised. And it doesn't mean that everything else will just fall away because we live in a broken world. But imagine being able to wake up every morning with the confidence of just speaking out and saying, I am God's beloved. That's who he created me to be. That has the power to transform. And it's not a change that we should fear. It's something to cherish. I just find it so encouraging to think that God created me intentionally. And through knowing him, I can become that person that he intended me to be. And we promise this transformation throughout the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, we read, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, I did think to myself, maybe I'll just read that <laughs> and sit down. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this morning I've spoken about God's awesome power, God being big and his incredible love for us. The fact that God is love. And it's through that, and this is point three, that the impact that that can and should have on us is that God is transforming. God is transforming. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to touch on the fact that maybe why, why do we not see that all the time when we reflect on our own lives? Why do I think about times throughout my life where I haven't been transformed, where I seem to have had a hard heart to, to, to those truths or why we don't see it in others. And we've got to acknowledge the fact that it's hard. We hold our faith often in other things, in earthly things. And we love the Lord, but where we put our faith at times, what we make other idols are still earthly things. And maybe we turn around and we put that faith in success or power or prestige or possessions it can be any number of things and sometimes that faith is put incorrectly back into ourselves when we're facing problems and you go I'm just gonna take myself away and I'm gonna deal with these myself and you put your faith in your own powers 
And actually, it is just a reminder to go back to that truth and put our faith in the Lord. Because all of those other things, those earthly things, they can just be swept away like sand in, a tar- in the tide. And when I put my faith in maybe what I do or maybe what I own, those things can be lost and they're never something that we can really bed ourselves down in. The bedrock of the truth that is, I am a beloved child of God. Or maybe we're plagued with self-doubts and we acknowledge the fact that God loves others, but maybe not me. Maybe I haven't earned it yet. These untruths that maybe we speak over ourselves or maybe other people speak over us. And again, it's just a reminder that God and the Holy Spirit has the power to break those lies that have been spoken over to us or that we've put on ourselves. And that this morning, every single one of us, no matter if we're in our very early stages of a journey with God and we've never actually spoken out to him or whether or not we've been doing this for decades and our whole lives, but we have the opportunity to reach out to the Lord and say, I want to know you or I want to know you more. And ask the Holy Spirit to come in and break those things and those lies that stop us from being able to grasp that. To become people that every day put our faith in the fact that we are his beloved. We sing that worship song, but I am your beloved. And it's a truth that has the power to transform all of us. Now I'm a little bit early, but... I have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. So I would just say this, and I'll invite the worship team, and I'll invite Steve up in just a second, and we're going to do communion. But if you want to know the Lord this morning, and you've never, you've never reached out to him, it's just a reminder that that is open to you today. You just need to reach out and say, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know this truth more. And if you are in that situation, please... If you feel you can, just grab someone, usually at the front, someone who looks like they know what they're doing, to just pray with you. And again, if you have been doing this for decades and there have just been things that have been eating away at you and you think, I'm still putting my faith in those earthly things or there are still things, lies that have been spoken over you or impacted you that just mean that you are unable to accept that truth. Again, the Lord is saying that this is an opportunity. Every time is an opportunity to just reach out to him and through the power of the Holy Spirit and his grace, we can be changed and transformed.